Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Sports Minutes with Elliot Danka and Ziaul Raushan. Uh, today is a bit of a belated, like one day late uh, that we're talking about this uh, because yesterday we needed to talk about our very own uh, Fahana Farid, who is uh, one of the nominees for Straits Times Athlete of the Year. And having spoken to her, you can understand why she's in the running for that, right? So inspiring her story. And I urge anyone listening in to go check out that podcast on uh, Money FM's uh, podcast channels. It's on audio. It's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, anywhere Ooh. you want, just look it up. It's really worth a listen, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so today we're going to talk about this. Yesterday, the news that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger have been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame, the first two managers to make the list. No surprise that they are the first two managers because, as far as I can remember, the two greatest of the game, right? Mm. It's a bit surprising that it's taken the Hall of Fame this long to acknowledge managers. They've gone with various different players. Not saying the players don't deserve it, mm. but about time they paid some service to the managers who moulded the game and made the Premier League what it is today. These two managers certainly stand out for me. Yeah, uh, and if you look at the inductees uh, from last year in the Hall of Fame, a lot of them are Manchester United and Arsenal players. Just to name a few, Patrick Vieira, Wayne Rooney, Ian Wright, Peter Schmeichel. Uh, of course, uh, the outstanding ones uh, from City, Sergio Aguero, Vance on company, Didier Drogba from Chelsea as well. But uh, it got us thinking, the legendary Alan Shearer, without a doubt, one of the first few names to be in the list. But it got us thinking, right, what makes a good boss? Wow, another heavy question from Elliot Decker. What makes a good boss? I mean, as far as bosses go, these two certainly tell us a thing or two about managing, right? Management. And that's where I think sports can meet life, where there are things in sports, the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger implemented amongst their players, not just the success they had, but what went on behind the scenes to extract that success. So you take away the sports aspect, right? Take, for example, if Arsene Wenger or Sir Alex Ferguson were your boss uh, in a regular company, just using their man management tactics, you know, the sports tactics aside, do you think you would have survived working under these two managers? I think with Sir Alex especially, let's tackle them separately because I think they are slightly different in their man management. Both very successful, but slightly different approach. A lot we can learn from. But with Sir Alex, I feel it's almost... You're either with him or against him. So, to answer your question, would I have been successful in an environment where Sir Alex was my boss? I think I would certainly be have to be on his side to yeah. start with. Yeah. And then you can take in what he teaches. And I think Sir Alex has this brilliant knack of knowing when to be harsh and when not to be harsh, when to put that shoulder around the arm. And I think that's important, not just in a sporting sense, but even in a work sense. Because, hey, let's be honest here, we're all culpable of a mistake or two in yeah. our daily jobs. Yeah. It's about whether your boss is going to kill you for that mistake, vilify you for that mistake, or teach you something that makes sure you don't do that mistake. And then it's on you to tell the next person who comes along, hey, I did this mistake. Be careful when you are doing the same thing. So I think there are are various elements to putting an arm around the shoulder and trying to cajole goodness out of your Mm, colleagues more mm. than going hard. I think there is this sense of accountability that both managers use, right? Like in a previous radio station that I worked with, uh, we had this policy that anything you were going to put out on air, if you produce, had to be cleared by a sound engineer. So if you were to put something out without that being cleared or the track being mastered, as they say, to broadcast quality, the general manager would call you and the sound engineer into the room. And the general manager would scold the sound engineer for not making sure that it was cleared for 
trusting too much. Mm, mm. And it's not even the sound engineer's fault. If, if it was me, if I was the copper, it's me. What I mean, I, I should have checked with the sound engineer, but I didn't. Why am I not getting scolding or enough of a scolding? It's what I call accountability. And, you know, with that comes a philosophy that Sir Alex Ferguson has, which is to start with the foundation. Uh, here's a quote from him. When you give young people a chance, you not only create a longer lifespan for the team, you also create loyalty. They will always remember that you are the manager that gave them their first opportunity. Of course, all this comes with rules and regulations, but it's laying that foundation. I think a problem that a lot of managers would have because a lot of times you want to go for what's tried and trusted. Yeah, I think you want to set the standards and hope the new wave that comes in follows those standards, yeah. right? But in the day and age that we live in, turnarounds are fairly high in various different jobs purely because maybe people of the younger generation are more ambitious, more yeah. itchy to try something yeah. new so the turnaround can be high. But from a company perspective, you want the standards to be in place, the foundations to be in place. And I yeah. think Sir Alex was a absolute master of that. Whoever came in, he knew the standards of the club were there. It's either you meet the standards or you don't meet the standards. And along with those standards, right up the list of those standards is accountability, yeah. which is needed for any aspect, any aspect of job or life even. Because if you have accountability to your boss, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, your friends, there's a certain level of decorum which you will carry yourself with. Yeah. And I dare say, since Sir Alex Ferguson left, you can see that accountability has lost its way slightly with Manchester United. We could argue it's coming back slightly now, but the importance of accountability comes with the figurehead setting it right. And both Arsene and Sir Alex were big on accountability. Here's one that a lot of people will struggle with as well, uh, especially in this day and age of uh, you know upgrading yourself or retraining yourself, right? Uh, so you start with accountability. Obviously, that comes from the foundation, a young foundation. Uh, daring to rebuild your team. Here's another one Sir Alex mm. Ferguson says, the hardest thing is to let go of a player who has been a great guy but all the evidence on the field suggests that you see that change that deterioration you have to ask yourself what are things going to be like two years from now for example so like even in our jobs if well, I've been doing this forever if one day I'm not bringing in the numbers you gotta let me go yeah it's a difficult decision to make but I think that's where leadership comes into play right you have to have the gumption yeah. to know when to make those difficult decisions and you cannot shy away from them to your example of for example Elliot Denker two years down the road not bringing in the numbers I lost boss, the plot <laughs> some might argue that might be now but some may your boss may come in and say look Elliot it's not happening but mm. maybe the the quality of a good manager then is Elliot perhaps considering your experience, we don't want you on air anymore. We're going to re-designate you to do something else, still to tap on your experience. So, for example, what Sir Alex is saying is, there are players who may not be delivering on the pitch anymore, yeah. but how can I still extract their experience yeah. to help the others? And I think I think a big part of what I look for in a boss is the nimbleness to be able to understand your your peers, your, your employees in yeah. that sense, and know how to get the most out of them. Not necessarily in a job function that's tried and tested. Yeah. For example, you cannot just play a goal scorer as a striker. Perhaps you want to try him out as an attacking midfielder yeah, because then he yeah. has the understanding of what the striker needs. Yeah. Similarly, Elliot, on-air anchor for a long, long while, perhaps there will come a time where Elliot is not the anchor he used to be, but he can serve a function as nurturing the rest of the anchors. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's about using... Your 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 tools to your to to the betterment of your company. Yeah, in that maybe sense. that times now because my jokes are starting to get stale. <laughs> you know, one thing I really look for in in a leader in a manager, and while it may not seem this way, uh, 
Did you know that Arsene Wenger was actually always optimistic? He was always positive. And it was that positivity that he had to empower his team to, to play good football. And people were criticising, why are you trying to play? Why are you trying to pass the ball into the net? You know, you should be... Just, a goal is a goal. But for him, no. You know, feel good about yourself. Play and express yourself the right way with, with tactics. And I think that's hard in today's day and age to, to find a leader that is always positive and spreading the positivity. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that sets the tone in the office almost, right? Yeah. We, we do work... In a close-knit environment you like to think with smaller groups and the positivity has to come from somewhere you cannot rely on your smaller ones to bring that positivity mm. to the table you want your leaders to be spreading that positivity but you got to empower them of course and yeah. I think there is a certain problem in this day and age where it's quite result-oriented for example in the job that I and you do, we judge it by the listenership numbers. Sure. For example, these football managers, they judge it by trophies they've won. But yeah. there's more to good sound management than just these numbers alone. And I feel that. And I think both these managers had their bad spells, but they tied it through that because they had principles to fall back on. The principles you spoke about mm. in terms of accountability, in terms of positivity, in terms of wanting to refresh and be ahead of the game. That, that hunger needs to come from within. And I think that's what... Yeah sets the leaders apart from the following pack. You talk about, uh, it's all about the performance, right? I start to think about the movie Moneyball. Uh, and really, that was the, the in the early days, right? But, you know, in spite of the fact that Wenger was so positive, right? He was also very data-driven. The guy has a master's degree in economics. So, it's no surprise that he was a data advocate. But it is about blending that data and positivity and man management and empowerment and you go out there and do your thing. Yeah, it's plenty, right? You already listed so <laughs> that's much. That's why on your they're, they're in the Hall of Fame and not us. <laughs> exactly. And you talk about this data driven yeah. management style, right? Yes, the numbers tell you plenty, but there must be a human sense to it mm. because ultimately you can be dealing with a DJ, a sound engineer, uh, a mechanic, uh, anything, anything at all. And the problem is all of them are human. So they still react to human elements more than their job function. And I think yeah. that sometimes may be forgotten, especially in a, in a fast-paced environment that we live in. But ultimately, as a good boss should, he should always consider. That's why when I mention what I look for in a boss, I'll always look for empathy because I think that human touch is so, so important. And in a day and age where AI, chat, GPT, everything is coming leaps and bounds, yeah. I do fear if that human touch will lose its, its impact in, in the years to come. I mean, even that, right, you feel that in today's day and age, people need to be trained on how to have that human touch because uh, this rat race is just getting worse and worse. But, you know, aside from that, so congratulations to Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. We talked about some of the great qualities they have as managers. Who do you think, uh, as far as managers are concerned, is next on the list to get into this Hall of Fame? Wow, there's a big Twitter argument for the likes of Jürgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola to be included in the conversation. Not that I agree with it because when you compare them, you're going to compare your Hall of Famer to a previous Hall of Famer. And yeah. I don't think, yes, Pep and Jürgen, Jürgen himself is a master of man management in my opinion, but are they Hall of Famer worthy? I'm not sure. I think also, right, let's not forget that they're still, they're still managing right now and maybe this should be for someone who's retired from the game. You would think, you would think it should be for someone who's done their job, left their legacy there to be to be marvelled at, right? Yeah. So perhaps it's too early for them. But 
someone like Jose Mourinho, a revolutionary oh, of the yeah. game, to just to debunk your argument about <laughs> they must be done with the game, I feel there are managers who are still in the game. Jose comes to mind as a revolutionary in terms of what he brought to the game. And I think Pep Guardiola is a bit more of a revolutionary than Jurgen Klopp, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, Bobby Robson for... Because it's Bobby Robson. I I I, I agree with Just you. Because. I think I I mean I was a big fan growing up of Bobby Robson because Newcastle were always punching above their weight yeah. back in the yeah. day, right? And you want to talk about legacies he's left behind. Yes, Newcastle are back in the fold now with money though. Yeah. But he achieved all of those things by sound yeah. management. So perhaps yeah. there is there is a, a, the argument to get him the posthumous award. I I, I got a, I got one for you. It'll shock you. Okay, Kenny Dalglish. Oof, Kenny Dalglish. How Kenny, could you bring up this Liverpool person? Yeah, you but could, you could, you could argue, but but I don't know. I judge these kind of awards on longevity, having right. d- done it over and over again. Yes, true, sir, Alex and Arsen did it over and over again. You, when we talk about a boss, it's okay to your first year in a job, oh, all guns blazing, yeah. you go out and do all well. I think there's more value in tidying yourself over five years, ten okay. years, and and proving yourself over five years, ten years, because that's a bigger test. A I, bit I, like- I'm going with Kenny because he, he took a while and he broke the Manchester United early dominance of uh, the Premier League uh, with Blackburn Rovers. Of course, and by that argument, then perhaps Claudio Ranieri deserves Ooh, it for nice what one. he did with Leicester. Why not? Uh, why not? It depends on what your yardstick is for <laughs> these awards. I feel they have a special place. They can get merit awards, but to be Hall of Famous, I feel you need something a bit different, a bit like the two winners, Alex and Arsene Wenger. Okay, so based on all of this that we've discussed, uh, one quality you think a manager must have to make it into the Premier League Hall of Fame? Wow. Success. So, oh, okay. <laughs> By that, uh, you have eliminated one whole group of managers. I, you, know? I, 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 you know who or not? Who? Those who have managed Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.